Hello, this is Mr. Galley from GCSE English Revision Pod with a quick message for you. If you want even more English Revision Pod in your ears, you can now subscribe to our premium service, GCSE English Revision Pod Plus, where for the price of just over £2 a month, on top of all the amazing free episodes, which will continue to be free and there for you to use, you can also get a selection of amazing bonus episodes on things like Macbeth, A Christmas Carol, Romeo and Juliet, and all your favourite topics covered in the depth and detail that you are used to. If you are interested in getting even more GCSE English Revision Pod, all you've got to do is click the link at the top of this episode description, where you can subscribe to GCSE. English Revision Pod Plus. Hello and welcome to GCSE English Revision Pod. This one is going to be a bit weird. Some would say it's going to be better. Um, Some would say there'll be less kind of, um, you know, people dominating the proceedings, talking over people when they're trying to um, trying to make a good point. Um, because this one I'm actually having to do without Mr. Forster. He's been he's been called away to and has to actually do something. So I'm going to try and take you through this all by myself. Hopefully, hopefully that's going to work out. I already feel a bit weird and a bit nervous without him uh, him sitting there barking things at me. So we'll see we'll see how we get on. This is the point where we're going to look at language paper two question five. So this is the big question. This is the forty marker. This is really the point where you can make or break your language paper to mark, right? We'll start off by looking at the question in the format it takes. So, 2018's version of the paper went like this. All sports should be fun, fair and open to everyone. These days, sports seems to be more about money, corruption and winning at any cost. Write an article for a newspaper in which you explain your point of view on this statement. Then, of course, it's broken down into the 26 and 40, uh, 24 and um, 16 mark split. So you get 24 marks for what you say, the quality of your argument, your ideas, how you organise things. Then you get another 16 marks for the technical quality of your writing. Think about it like that. 60% what you say, 40% how well you say it. Now, one of the main things I want you to remember going into this exam is that this is all about opinion, right? What the examiners want is for you to have a point of view on the statement that they give you. What they don't want to see is a completely dispassionate uninterested 50-50 argument where you say, well, you could say this, but then some people would say that. Another point of view is this, but then some people might say that. They're not looking for you to sit on the fence. And actually, you won't write as well unless you have a really strong viewpoint and opinion. If you get kind of passionate about the subject and think, right, what do I really think about this? You will naturally write better. But there's a few things to take into account, right? First of all, they will give you this statement, which you are essentially going to be either agreeing or disagreeing with. In the case of 2018, it was this idea that all sports should be fun, fair and open to everyone. These days, sports seems to be more about money, corruption and winning at any cost. So in that case, you could either go with that argument and say, yep, sport has lost its way. Sport should be about having fun. But in the modern world, sport has become all about money corruption and 
having marked this paper last year, that is what a lot of people did. They went with that argument, right? Or you could have gone against it and you could have said, well, actually, no, it's good that we have money in sport. It's good that we have the drive to win because without the drive to win, what would sport be? You know, what would the Premier League, what would the Champions League get in Liverpool? What would the Champions League be without um, this desire to win, right? Once you've decided where you're going to go with it, that's a really important thing. But then you need to think about what you're being asked to write. For example, it could be an article for a newspaper. It could be a speech. If it's a speech, they might tell you who your audience is. It might be a letter. If it's a letter, again, they'll probably tell you who your audience is. If it's an article for a magazine, it might tell you the type of magazine. Now, what this allows you to do is to adjust your register and the way you lay out your piece of persuasive writing. So obviously, if you write an article, it needs to look a certain way. You're going to start with a headline, then you'll have a subheading, then it will go into the main body of the article. If you're writing a letter, it will, of course, start with dear sir or madam or whoever the letter is to. And then you will get into the structure of the letter. So make it look like the thing it's meant to look like. But also think about who you're writing for, because that who, that who is crucial, that who will tell you how you will write. For example, you would probably write a letter to your local MP very differently to how you might write a speech to do an assembly for your year group. It would affect the language choices you make. It would affect the kind of things that you would talk about and how you would talk about them. That is a really good way of starting off. First of all, think, right, what side of the argument am I coming down on? Who am I writing this for? And what is the thing I am writing going to look like? Once you've got those ideas in your head, you are in a very, very good position starting off. Now, what we put for you in the kitten pack, which you can download from the... Um, from the description of this podcast. If you go to page 30 and 31, you will see a breakdown of the task. And then Mr. Forster has very kindly put some examples together, which you can look at. So the first one is an article called Choosing Charity, which Mr. Forster has gone through and picked out the various different things that work about it. We have then got a speech for an assembly arguing that mobile phones or arguing for or against the statement mobile phones are a dangerous, a danger to all. And we then got a letter about pride in your hometown. We've got a article about the dangers of teenagers binge drinking. So we've given you a range of different things. And what we've kind of done is annotated them in a way that hopefully you can see what works. So one really brilliant revision thing you could do this evening is go through our kitten pack, start on page 31, read through all the examples up until page 40. And that should give you a really nice feel of the different types of thing you could be writing, but also the things that are included in them. Now, one thing that can work really well is beginning with an anecdote, right? This can work in speeches. This can work in articles. It could even perhaps work in a letter. And an anecdote, of course, is when something happened to you, right, or someone you know. It's basically telling a story about either, you know, yourself or somebody else. 
if Mr. Forster was here, he'd probably give us some really boring example of something he's, um, that had happened to him at some point in his life. So we're saved. We're small mercies, I suppose. We're saved from that. But the anecdote can be a powerful thing. And the reason being that if um, by starting off by talking in the first person, by describing something that happened to you, it can be a really good way to maybe make your audience laugh, make them feel an emotional connection and then link into the subject that you're talking about. For example, if you were writing something about dangerous dogs and or dangerous pets in general and how it's irresponsible to keep them, you might start off with an anecdote about how you were attacked uh, by a dog as a child. Now you'd have you could make that a bit funny, you could make it a bit scary, you could certainly make it perhaps a bit emotional, and then at the end of that anecdote you would then have the opportunity to link into the argument to talk about why you're talking about this thing. The other good thing about perhaps beginning with an anecdote, if it suits the purpose, is you can use a lot of your creative language skills. This is the stuff that you did on Tuesday, of course, in Language Paper 1. You can use similes, metaphors, personification, all of that kind of stuff in an argument, and you will get marks for it. If you are writing well and you are writing effectively and it builds towards your argument, you will get marks for it. So I would really say that that can be quite a good tip. That idea of beginning with an anecdote can be powerful. You don't have to do it, but it certainly can work. And if you look at a couple of the examples that we've put in the pack for you, some of them use this skill. Now, another thing that Mr. Forster wanted me to tell you um, for this podcast, he said this was his his top tip, was... um, write as yourself now I'm not going to try and do his voice was to write as yourself right he he was sort of saying that he doesn't think it's a very good idea to pretend to be someone that you're not now I think this is an interesting one I when I marked this paper that I know I keep going on about the whole time but when I marked this paper I actually saw some very effective ones where students had pretended to be someone else and they had written very well What I would say, I suppose, is I think that's quite a high level skill. I think in order to be able to write as another person and form a persuasive argument, you've probably got to be writing at a pretty high level. And actually, for the majority of people, writing as yourself would make a lot more sense. Writing as you, with your opinions and beliefs, would be more effective. But think about the anecdote side of stuff. Does it need to be something that's actually happened to you? Well, the answer is, of course, no. There's no way the examiner would ever know whether it was a true anecdote or not, unless you made it completely ridiculous, you know. But they've no way of checking that. So you can be creative. You can create stuff to aid your argument. You could invent something that happened to you, something that's happened to a relative or anything like this if it helps your argument. And it does not, of course, have to be true. It just has to help the piece of writing that you're doing. Now, people talk a lot about the acronym DAFORIST. I think that can be quite an effective thing. You know, you've got your D for direct address, speaking directly to the audience. You've got your A for alliteration, quite um, quite a simple technique, but can be quite an effective one. F stands for facts. Now, the rule is on facts, I think. They can be great to use, just don't make them sound ridiculous. You know, if, you, if you're going to invent a fact or a statistic, that can be completely fine as long as it sounds realistic, okay? Don't say, are you aware that 100% of students hate going to school? 
it just doesn't, you know, there are, believe it or not, there are students out there who quite enjoy going to school. So something like that would not help you. It doesn't sound realistic. If you said, are you aware that nowadays uh, over 25% of students say they feel anxiety going to school? That would sound, I mean, it's an incredibly sad example to, to bring up, but that would sound perhaps like something quite realistic and therefore would perhaps benefit your argument. So be careful with that. O, after the F, there's the O, and that's, of course, for opinion. Your opinion is going to shape your piece. As I said at the beginning, I can't stress it enough. Have an opinion that you are arguing. Don't try and write a kind of boring, completely balanced piece where you sum up both sides of the argument. Have an opinion and argue that opinion in a passionate way. The more, the more sort of feeling you put into that opinion, hopefully the better your writing will be. R comes after O in the acronym, and that is, of course, for rhetorical questions, rhetorical devices, asking your reader to imagine things, asking them what they would do in certain situations, and can be very, very effective. E, you're talking about emotive language, say things which are going to get the reader emotionally on board, getting people to laugh, even if you're talking about a serious topic, getting people to laugh can be quite a useful device because for example if you're making a speech about a really emotional topic or a really difficult topic sometimes people will lead with some kind of self-deprecating humor or something like that because they want the audience to relax they want the audience to be able to listen to them and not perhaps feel the intensity of the situation equally you can you can get them on board on an emotional level s um we're talking about statistics a bit like facts you know are you um, are you going to bring in some statistical backing to your argument? If you do that, make sure it sounds realistic and don't whatever you do overuse it. And finally, T, our old friend triadic structures. So saying, for example, this podcast without Mr. Forster has been better organised, nicer to listen to and more informative. That would be a very accurate triadic structure, right? Human brains like working in threes. It's putting three adjectives together or three verbs together or whatever it may be will read nicely and show that you are consciously crafting your language to have a certain effect. In terms of revision this evening, for a lot of you will listen to this the day before your exam. Some of you will listen to it in the future. For, for, for you guys, it's not so relevant. But for those of you with the exam tomorrow, I'm going to put a couple of links in the description of this podcast that will take you to places where you can hear um where you can read some great speeches and also some opinion-based writing okay i can't stress enough how much you will learn by looking at examples of this okay people writers don't one day pick up a pen you know famous novelists famous political writers or whoever, they don't one day pick up a pen and start writing brilliantly. They've read. They've read things their whole lives. Now, we haven't got our whole lives. We've got an evening. But if you read through this evening five speeches, five newspaper articles, and all the stuff in the kitten pack, you will have in your head an awful lot of ideas about what this non-fiction persuasive writing looks like. If you put some of that into practice, even better. Yeah? But that, I think 
is possibly the thing to leave you with. I think I've covered everything. I've covered Mr. Forster's stupid idea that he wanted in. We've got the examples that um, that um, are in the pack. That would be my starting point for you. Go to page 30 and 31 in the kitten pack and work through those examples. But as we always say, don't just do passive revision, do active revision. So if you like something, maybe write down your own version of it. Or if you think something could work, write that idea down 10 times and say, all right, I want to remember to include this in the, in the exam. Make sure you do that. And yeah, I think that is about it. I should say, of course, I'm only joking. I had Mr. Mr. Forster is a dear, dear friend of mine. And all this mean stuff I'm saying about him is, uh, is only to um to hopefully improve the the quality of the podcast um and yes as ever follow us at g revision pod email us at gcse revision pod at oh no at got that wrong for uh, email us at english revision pod at gmail.com and for those of you who are taking the exam tomorrow best of luck we will be thinking of you please get in touch with us afterwards and let us know how it has gone